The Bandits win Game 1 of the NLL Finals. And Josh Allen's golf game is officially exposed as fraudulent. And we'll be coming at you with some more Sabres player grades, along with some hot takes, trivia, and more. This is the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. We are back with the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Kelly, and as always, I'm joined by Dom Loss and Mike Marino. Let's get right into that Bandits game. Holy cow, what an experience. Dom and I were there. It was an absolutely electric experience, once again, at KeyBank for the Bandits. What do you have to say, Dom? Nerve-wracking. Yes. Incredibly nerve-wracking game. Down um, to the wire. Matt Weiss was a defense player for them, so not really known as a goal scorer. So really transition. Goal. Yeah, I guess his proper term is transition, but mm-hmm. 51 seconds left, scores the game winner, and they're able to make a couple saves at the end and hold on for the 15-14 win. First ever win in this format. Yes. They've been swept by Saskatchewan and Calgary, 2-0 both times they've made Is it there so. overtime sudden death? Like, goal yes. it? Yep. Okay. So, it almost got to that point. It's a very interesting game, I would say, to be at. A lot of, up, a lot of ups and downs. For a while there, it was going in our favor heavily. We were up by four goals at, at a point. Well, well, you think, you know, Colorado scores them in the game, and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be one of these games where they just get, you know, they come out flat. And then the Bandits shut them out the rest of the quarter, and they're up 4-1. to one. Then all of a sudden, they're up like 8-4, to four, they're starting to pull away. And then they show well, that... Because Matt st- Vince just started letting goals well, in. They start, They show that stupid graphic about how Matt Vince was the first like NL goaltender to reach 2,000 minutes play in the postseason. Yeah. Then he just let in softy after softy. Yep. And then yep. all of a sudden, it's nine, it's, you're setting up at halftime, and it's 9-8, and it's like, wow, they should be up by more than this. Right. Well, before halftime, they scored three consecutive goals right off of the faceoff. After that, it just it went downhill fast. It was down to the wire, and... Yeah, a transition player won the game. That just shows you how, how crazy it was. It was 9-8 at half, and then it was 12-11 going into the fourth. And every time the Bands would make it a two-goal game, when you think that then they had a possession to make it three, they couldn't capitalize, and all of a sudden it's tied again. They scored two quick goals. Granted, Colorado, they showed a lot of resilience and a pretty impressive effort, but you know, the Bands were able to you know take take the dub. Our, our buddy Tohoka scored the big five-goal, seven-point performance, so really led the offensive attack. Is you know is an incredibly physical player. Uh, not 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 very agile, but just goes you know puts his shoulder right into your chest, gets the separation. And Gritty, to, dude. He was getting he was getting it was a little chippy. It was a very no, incredibly it, chippy game. That game, there was a lot of contact and a lot of people about to fight, but the refs, of course, step in and are like, "Let's calm it down, okay?" Which I wish they didn't. I would love to see a throwdown. Yeah, and it's just it was an imp- a very impressive effort by really both teams. Both teams showed how much they wanted to win the game. Obviously, this is a big game for the Bands to win to continue to have home field advantage in the best of three. And, you know, they could come home to Buffalo with the trophy. They could win it next week. How do you think and that parade would go if they, if they did come home? I don't they know. Have a parade? I feel like I, you have to. I'd assume they would. I mean, first time since 2008. Really yeah. the first, I don't, I don't want to say major like, trophy, but, like, the Sabres haven't won anything. Obviously the Bills haven't won anything. Will so. it look like in the movie Bruce Almighty when the Sabres won the Stanley Cup and everyone was burning everything to the ground? I don't know about I don't think it's going to be that diehard, but... I mean, they possibly could. Matt, listen, Matt, we said it best. <laughs> the the PA announcer, the interviewing after the game, and was like, you know, we love, you obviously love Bantland. Wouldn't you love to maybe win it, at, you know, game three at home? And he said, as much as I love Bantland, 
I'd rather bring it home to them. So I, th I think that's the mindset this team has, that they want to end it, end the season right there in Colorado, as much as they love playing in front of the fans of Buffalo. Absolutely. I, ho I hope they do it, honestly. I mean, it'd be nice to bring home a championship to, to Key Bank, you know, after you've got a lackluster Sabres team there for the past decade. Yep. And uh, even Bandits, you know, they, they've they made it to the downs, finals, yeah. but they've had their ups and downs, and it'll be nice to bring a championship to Buffalo for sure. Hopefully that uh, starts the string of championships to Buffalo. Next it's a spark. Next the Bills in February, and then, as yeah. Joe's always predicted, in June, It's going to be, Sabres. listen, this is what's going to happen next season, overall, throughout the entire season. Bisons win the championship, Bandits win the championship, Sabres take the Cup, Bills take the Lombardi. All four happen next year. All four owned by Buffalo. All four owned by Buffalo. Wow. You heard it here. You heard it here first. I wonder what those odds are. You know, Probably very, very bad. Very, very bad, yeah. <laughs> if I put a dollar, I'd probably end up with a million <laughs> on that. That's that's how bad. One in a million shot. Mm -hmm. But I think the Bandits will bring it home this year, honestly. I'm really rooting for it. Wouldn't mind seeing another Bandits game, though. No, if they did do Game 3, it definitely would be very fun to go to. I mean, ticket prices would probably be sky high, though. But, see how much of that 300 section was open? If we really were fighting for a seat, we could go on either side. Mm -hmm. For sure. Alright, that's going to do it for our Bandits talk. We'll be back with more of the Buffalonian Podcast right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are interested, feel free to follow us on Instagram at buffalonian underscore pod. DM us any information, and our email is also in the description as well. Also, if you're just listening and would like to comment or ask questions or have us talk about something, a topic on the next show, feel free to DM us and let us know if it fits in with the next episode. We will for sure get to it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Four. Josh Allen can't play golf to save his life. Wow. Eight handicap, apparently. Apparently he's an eight handicap. Yeah. As a 30 handicap plus, you know. <laughs> Listen, we were hitting some dingers this past weekend a little better than Josh Allen was at the match. I know dingers is a baseball term. If someone but... was watching me golf on the side, I'd probably hit them too. It was an impeccable aim by Josh Allen. Yeah. And Tom Look, Brady. he was on the football field, you know. Tom Brady game. going up to Aaron Rodgers and just laying it all out there. F*** him up. You know what I mean? It just There's nothing better. There's nothing better. That was TV for the, the ages right there, I think. Tom Brady just took a U moment with Vinny Henestrosa. That's who he had in his mind when he said that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Henestrosa brings that out of you, man. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. But the match was very interesting overall. I, I think it was a great thing to do in the offseason. I like seeing four of the top quarterbacks, the four top quarterbacks in the NFL yeah. going at it. It was very interesting. I think it, it shows a good side to them. Like, you know, it shows that they are... In a sense, human. They're not these ungodly, you know, people. Because, you know, they're not the, the best golfers. And it gives you an appreciation to those guys on the PGA Tour and how easy they make it look, you know? Right. I think it, they're I, watching the PGA Tour like, wow, I can go out and do that. But yeah, you know, Josh how hard is it to hit it? it? You know, yeah. 300 yards. Yeah. Deal. I think it was cool to see football players play a different sport. I yeah. Think. And I also like that they didn't have a professional. So they, it was all on them. You know, there wasn't a professional to bail them out. They had to hit the shots. In order to win, I, obviously they played a shamble where they would take the best shot off the tee, and then after that it was on their own. But I thought it was a really unique experience. You know, you see these football players and they have pads on their helmets. You know, yeah. you can't really see You're them. You're not but seeing them. You have yeah. to see them. You got to see them interact. You know, with each other, the fist bumps. Yeah. You know, the encouraging. I think I thought both teams. Honestly, God, the trash talk was still pretty electric. It was. Though. I thought Allen had some very funny trash talk. Moments. When he pulled out the golf ball with Tom Brady's combine photo on it, <laughs> I think that was. 
one of Gold. the funniest things. Yeah. But then Tom Brady gave him one with the Lombardi on it and says Josh hasn't seen one of these yet. Yeah. Kind of clap back. No, but, see, but that, Patrick that, that also. Was, he missed. He, no, he's Tom Brady messed that up because he said, "Have you ever seen one of those?" And Josh did a good job of. Yeah, I have. But he should have said something about, have you ever won one of the... You know, he, he yeah, Tom up. Brady did. He fumbled the bag a little yeah, bit on yeah. that one, yeah. I mean, I honestly, like football one of the, the one smack talk that got me a little, like, ugh, was Patrick Mahomes. They were talking about things they're afraid of and... Uh, vegetables? Who? That's what Tom Brady Oh, said. yeah, he's afraid of vegetables. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What is Josh's fear? Vegetables. Vegetables. Um, and uh, Patrick Mahomes goes, a coin toss. Josh Allen was undefeated th- in coin toss before that game. I know, I know. But still... You hear that, and it just makes you immediately think back to that game and when they lost the coin toss, and you just knew. You saw his face. Camera panned right to his face on the bench. You just knew how it was going after that. But it was scripted. I was like, well, this game was... I could just... Josh was starting to untighten the cleats and uh, take them off at that point. It was yeah, like, exactly. So the helmet was coming off. But I, I, I just say this, too. J.J. Watt, I didn't expect him to be on the broadcast. I thought he was really funny. Obviously, Charles Barkley is always naturally very Almost went funny. in the water due yeah. to Josh Allen's putting ability. The short game almost had Charles Barkley taking a dip. Not gonna lie, I wanted to see Charles Barkley cut off Aaron Rodgers' hair, though. Yeah, that would have been good. That would have been amazing. I thought that I thought it, it was needs pretty... to. Yeah, some people can grow. You can't pull it off. No, it's it's like thin and like it clumps up in like one it's one strand. It just looks greasy. Yeah, ugh, ugh. I I thought it was dirty. A very good event, I would say. Very enjoyable. I I'd was, like to see that every year. Obviously, it's unfortunate they lost literally on the last hole. I mean, after the first two holes, they were down two up, and you know, I'm gonna say this, Tom Brady like. Had to take a step back because he was talking all this crap about how oh these young guys they weren't ready to play us and all of a sudden they were winning it was like oh what did you guys expect I was like I don't know Tom you were, after the second hole you thought this was gonna be a blowout and all of a sudden you know it was it was tied and then you know the young guys took the lead and you're like oh what, you know we expected them to come back well, no you didn't you thought that you were gonna no no that's not what you were saying after the second hole Tommy come on no yeah you were up you were, they were up by two strokes and it was very nice to see how competitive the game actually was oh, yeah. it was within a couple. Couple strokes the entire game. Like it, yeah, it didn't really get out of hand. Came, Obviously, Rodgers just no. that putt at the end to win it. Well, people were saying Aaron Rodgers was going to make the game go out of hand because he's a excellent golfer. I, I didn't really see too amazing of a performance from Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. So. He started off hot with that birdie by himself at hole one, and he obviously hits a great shot on twelve to win, and then the putt. But yeah, he was kind of he was all right. I obviously no offense to Josh, he was obviously the worst golfer by I would say a considerable margin. Unfortunately. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think Charles Barkley mentioned at one point, he's like, it takes a lot to come out and embarrass yourself on national <laughs> I think he did mention that at one point. That was like a slightly like backhand compliment. It was like, like a backhand compliment. You know, like we give him we give him credit for coming out here, but he's also just absolutely murdering it, like not doing well at all. Well, just remember when Chuck Barkley was on, his swing, absolutely terrible form. Yeah. Yeah, like who is he really to talk? Yeah. yeah. At least J.J. Watt knew he was bad. Yeah. Wait, <laughs> that I just I want to see something like that every year. Whether they do quarterbacks, whether they do D linemen, anybody like from like Aaron and, Donald and, doing any, that. Any I feel like sport, that'd be good. Really. I think I think golf is one of those sports where a lot of people play in the off season. A lot of people. Have it's talent. a leisure activity. Honestly, for a lot I think of it could too. be interesting that you take like two football players and two hockey players and they compete against each other. And I think that could also be a uh, a dynamic thing to do because obviously maybe basketball players TNT. Has NBA and then Shell now? Maybe they do something like that. I think, yeah. I think there's a lot of stuff they could do with it. That they, they they realize with this event that if you have four stars, you're gonna make money, you're gonna make views, and you don't have to have you know quality golf. You don't have to have a no. professional to make it quality golf. You know? Look at how viral they went 
the clip of the fan getting hit in the head with Josh Allen's ball. Like, that that immediately gets you views everywhere. And people who didn't watch it see those now, and they're going to come back and watch it next year no matter who's golfing. The biggest winner, Coors Light. <laughs> apparently, yeah. apparently, Patrick Mahomes, you know, drinking that beer occasionally mm-hmm. uh, is lucky stuff. Apparently, like that was estimated about one hundred ten thousand dollars worth of advertising that he did. Yeah, them. so yeah, underrated winners. <laughs> they say no free ads, but he was giving them a free ad. That's for sure. Uh, wow, good for them. Good on you, Coors Light. But let's, tra- <laughs> let's, uh, let's transition from football golf to uh, some actual football news. Obviously, not a lot of news going on right now. They're in OTAs, but. Uh, the Bills did make a signing. They signed a veteran, uh, Tavon Austin. Mike, what do, you, what do you think about this move for the, for the Bills, and what do you think it shows? Well, I think it's just another uh, adding to competition here because mainly through his career, Tavon Austin's been a returner, so he's probably just going to be in there to compete with Marquez Stevenson and then have Isaiah McKenzie focus more on being a slot receiver, a gadget guy, rather than a returner. I mean, I guess maybe somehow Tavon Austin could be like a gadget I guess, but I think his main thing is going to be returning kicks and punts. I mean, think about how good he was in college. No, I I 100% agree with you. He's definitely going to be more of a return guy. Um, It will be interesting, though, because what if he does all of a sudden, out of nowhere, start showing his ability maybe as a gadget receiver, you know, that kind of a thing. And maybe he does, I don't know. I just think, I don't think he should take away from McKenzie at all. No yeah, that, that's the main thing, I think. I think they just want McKenzie to focus more on being a wide receiver than a returner. Exactly. And they didn't want to just hand the job to Marquez Stevenson because it's all about competition with McBean there. Right, so, and Marquez Stevenson was kind of was not all, consistent. He was all, he was all right. he was hurt. So. He, he was hurt. Yeah. He muffed that punt in New Orleans. I would see that as a McKenzie, him fumbling on the kickoff return against the Colts. Basically took him out of consideration. I think it's about finding a veteran presence in the yeah. return because they don't, you know, they end up having to have Micah Hyde back there sometimes because they didn't trust Micah Hyde's good though. I would be, but, they, but you, he you shouldn't be returning. You don't want, yeah. you want your all pro safety returning punts. Yeah, you're that's right. Like, that's like Tyreek off your whole Tyreek Hill. The yeah. Chiefs never let him do any punt returns. Instead, when it's a playoff game, the game's on the line. Okay, you'll go back there. But I think that's what they're trying to find. And, you know, there's room in the wide receiver room. Obviously, I think, what, probably McKenzie, Davis, Diggs, uh, Crowder, and Shakur. That's five spots. You know, there's probably two more spots available. Obviously, Kumro was there. Stevenson. Yeah, that's what I was going to Hodge, Hodgins. Uh, now Tavon Austin. So I think there's competition to possibly even make the, the roster because of their spots open at the wide receiver position. Fun nugget, though, is... Fun t- nugget. Yeah. What an interesting turn. We're, we're, having all, this we're having all in dingers, fumbling the bag, yeah. fun nugget. Fun nugget. Taven Austin was selected 8th overall in 2013 because the then St. Louis Rams traded up with the Buffalo Bills to that spot. Buffalo traded down to 16 and they selected who else but E.J. Manuel. Oh, my favorite quarterback. I know. Speaking of past quarterbacks, we I do just want to take a minute and uh, congratulate Ryan Fitzpatrick on his retirement. Uh, I think, you know... Bill for life. Bill for life. And fun fact... The fun Bills, nugget? Fun nugget, if you will. The Bills are the only team out of all the other teams he played for to officially announce his retirement on the transaction list. He was the longest tenured... His longest tenured team was the I Bills. think he's going to do a Fred Jackson sign a one-day contract, one day contract. here and, and retire here. I mean, the dude was injured, but still under contract 
shirtless at our playoff game <laughs> last year. So yeah. I mean, like if, he'll if, be back for games next year. You know how the they culture. have the alumni who leads the charge. Yeah, it's going to be hundred percent. He's going to be one of them. How could you not? The guy's electric. Shirtless, chugging a beer. He wasn't even drunk. He wasn't even drinking. He was 100% sober, just shirtless in two-degree weather. Like, it was absolutely unreal. Well, you know, so that trade probably doesn't work out, doesn't look great going back in history, but with the Bills trading down, they were able to select in the second round some linebacker out of Oregon named Kiko Alonso, who then ended up turning into a one-for-one trade with the Eagles with some running back named Sean McCoy. So, right, you know, the, the, then, the trade tree did work out. But then Kiko Alonso was on the Dolphins and ran to the wrong sideline playing against us. I and tried to kill Joe Flacco on and tried to television. Show, yep, exactly, yep. Great guy, great guy we picked up. So talking about linebacker, we'll <laughs> rotate to our last little bit of Bill's news. Uh, Andre Smith, who's mostly known, I mean, deaf linebacker, but mostly, you know, makes his money playing special teams, got suspended six games for uh, performance-enhancing drugs. Uh, definitely going to be an interesting thing to see what happens now with the 53-man roster, if they're going to now cut him and maybe just let someone like uh, a Balin Spector, who was a seventh-round pick out of Clemson, maybe he now has a greater chance of making his mark. He's known to be a possibly good special teamer, so maybe this is his opportunity to make the roster. Yeah, here, here's the thing. I mean, it's not good for him just being a special teamer, and you bring up Balin Spector. Uh, and, like, another guy, Joe Giles here. It just gives him a chance to make the roster. But I think back to when Tyrell Dodson, he also got suspended, and they kept him around. So yeah, it shows that maybe if they value him enough, they would just keep him around. Yeah, but Tyrell Dodson played third string. Like, he was, like, the third linebacker sometimes. Or, like, the backup to A.J. Klein when A.J. Klein. So, like, he was, like, the fourth linebacker. Andre Smith never played like <laughs> not, like if it was a blowout so like he legitimately is a, like a, a pure as special teamer as the term special teamer can be yeah. so i think i mean he's definitely not only does his position make him expendable but now him not being available for the first six games again makes it even more likely for one of these you know, younger linebackers as you said to possibly make the 53 man roster yeah absolutely well, that's going to do it for our Bills topic. It's a little short and sweet for the day, but they do start mandatory mini camps next week, so hopefully we get some uh, some more news so we can chat about it a little bit more. But we'll be right back with more of the Buffalonian Podcast right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are interested, feel free to follow us on Instagram at buffalonian underscore pod. DM us any information, and our email is also in the description as well. Also, if you're just listening and would like to comment or ask questions or have us talk about something, a topic on the next show, feel free to DM us. Let us know, and if it fits, we'll for sure get to it. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Buffalonian Podcast. We're coming right at you with some Sabres player grades. Dom, let's kick it off with Rasmus Asplund. What do you got for us? He gets an A. He gets an A. He was obviously clearing away the best defensive forward on the team. And, you know, his offensive output was, you know, the best of his career. We talked a lot about how Tage Thompson's, like, career, career, career totals were passed just by this season. Going into the year, Asplund had a career 8 goals and 14 points in 57 games. Just in one year, he had... Eight goals and 27 points. So, you know, a good career year for Asplund. Showed some offensive production. Obviously was always very good in his own end. But now having that production, you know, you don't need him to be a high scorer. You know, 30 to 35 points, play that third line, maybe fourth line role of just being the checking line. I thought he played his his role on the team to perfection this year. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm giving him a good grade, too. I'm giving him a B. I, I think the start of the year, he started really hot. I think he led the team in points at one point. And he did cool off a little bit offensively and... 
focus more on his game, which is fine. But yeah, I mean, overall, I, I think he gets a B. I agree with the B on that. I, I do agree he was more intact, if you will, in the beginning of the season than towards the end. He did cool down like a star dying. Um, and I, I don't, I couldn't, I could, that his beginning of the year performance is justifiable as an A. I can see where Dom comes from, but I think the end of the year takes him down to a B. I think he was elite defensively the whole year. I think his offensive production in terms of points were very good in the beginning of the year, and then they did drop off. So that is some concern for sure. It was nice to see that he got voted a couple votes for the Selkie, finished 19th overall. So that was good to get some media respect uh, on uh, our buddy Aspen's name. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to move into our next player. We're going to go to Victor Olofsson. Mike, why don't you kick us off on this one? Yeah, I'm going to give him a B as well. Uh, I know he had a really cold stretch in the middle of the season. Towards the end of the year, he started picking up, being able to score, bumped up his value. But I think we just need to see more consistency out of Olofsson. I think he has worked on his game, his playmaking ability. Still, his overall thing is just being a goal scorer. And I think that's all we're going to really get out of him. I don't see him being, you know, this great defensive forward. But yeah, I'm going to give him a B. Yeah, definitely not going to be a two-way guy. I completely agree with the B. And, you know, in the beginning of the year, he was incredibly hot. He was good at the end of the year as well. But it's the same thing with, like, a lot of these Sabres players. You know, you have to find consistency in your game. We talked about this with, like, a player like Rasmus Dahlin. You know, it just it's all about consistency with Olsen. He didn't score a single goal in the months of January, December, November, which is a solid, like, 27-game stretch. And he also missed 10 games because of injury. So, And he also, while he improved his 5-on-5 five -five play, um, still is never going to be, you know, even an average player in his own and so if he's going to go cold for 30 games and also miss 10 games because of his injuries, you know, and really getting like half a season of productive out, production of a top six forward and then another half is kind of a guy that maybe not even should be on your roster. So I think a B is right about there. I mean, he had a career high in points of 49, obviously his second, as I said, second career 20-goal uh, season. So a productive season at Olsen, but I don't, I don't think it's A tier if he can only play for uh, an elite stretch for only about 40 games. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I'll, I'll give him a B because... Mainly not a C due to the fact of the career high in points. You know, mm. I think that saves him quite a bit. But dude fell off the face of the earth. He just, I, I don't think, I don't think he's anything special. Like you said, he might not even be good enough to keep on the team in the next coming years. So we just have to see how he goes. But definitely a B for him. Yeah, I think we started this pod, the first pod, we talked about how he might get traded because, you know, he was really struggling. Now. Yeah, he was. Iffy. I mean, just because he, that's because he went he off. At like the, 30 games just off the face yeah. of the earth gone. I mean, just because he's went off at the end of the year is, you know, it's a good sign maybe for next year. But it's also, as Mike said, helped his value. So maybe you can, like, move him for an actual But then it makes you consistent. think, where were you all season? Yeah. It's that wrist injury he was having, apparently. Whatever. Mm -hmm. But. Again, it's hard. I I just don't like making the injury excuse over and over for everyone. So no. Sometimes you are who you are. He's always been kind of injured every year. He's a little bit banged up, you know? Yeah. Their ability is a concern. All right, we're going to move into our final player, Casey Middlestad. Talk about durability. <laughs> we missed half the season. Yeah. And that's why he gets an F from me. <laughs> I, I just don't think anything grand was done on his end to really help the team forward. I, I just, I can't really justify giving him anything higher than an F. I know I know you guys are higher, but I just don't think he earns it. He's he's got to have a good season this season or else he's he should be gone in my opinion. Yeah, no, I gave him a D just because I know the injuries are a concern, but last last season he did show I think he did show growth with Granado initially and show that he could buy into what Granado's selling. And then this year just got derailed with multiple injuries. And then I think he came back too early at one point. So he re-aggravated it and missed more time than what he should have. And it was just kind of a mess. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't be opposed if the Sabres decided to move on from him. 
But I would give him next year as his prove it year. Right, you got to give him. I think. And if you get injured next year, well, then tough luck. Yeah, I feel like one more season is definitely in the works for him. I don't know. I think it'd be wise for the Sabres to move on because at some point you are who you are. I mean, (laughs) honestly, like it's you are who you are. Last year, you know, he had 19 points in 40 games. You know, really started off. I'm sorry, 22 points in 41 games at the end of the year. Started off really well, as you said, the coaching change and. This, you know, he was obviously, I think he was their best forward at the end of the previous season, so he had all this expectation, obviously he gets hurt, and he puts up 19 points in 40 games, it's just kind of, you know, I think he's expendable with all these younger guys coming up, and, you know, his game still struggle. he struggles with turnovers, and he's not good in his own end, so, again, I think for a guy that we, pro- we thought we were going to have a breakout season, like a Tage Thompson-esque, you know, for him to just completely just be derailed by injuries you know as they say that your best ability is availability and he was not, not available not available so for me it's a d i just i wouldn't be opposed to moving him sending a folson you know if you're not if you're not gonna stay healthy and you're gonna disappear it's kind of you know you gotta find people that could be available 24 7 365 82 games you know it's a hard schedule but you gotta be available transitioning away from player grades we're gonna go into some news lawrence pilot has the possibility of making a return to Buffalo. I think it's, you know, pretty fascinating. Obviously, he left to the KHL after he wasn't given an opportunity uh, with the the big club in, you know, the NHL. He was an AHL all-star. You know, he's very, you know, he's a bottom pair guy. I think if he gets out of his contract with the KHL, obviously, if anything going on there uh, with the war, hopefully he's able to get out of there, come, come back to North America. And he's an RFA, so hopefully, you know, he still has interest in being signed by the Sabres. And then, I think he has a good chance to make the roster and battle, you know, a Jacob Bryson esque for you know that third, third, third pair role. Well, didn't he say he would want to come back to the Sabers? Yeah, I do believe he said that. Same thing, you know, it's important for the Sabers to get Pilot back and give him playing time, kind of a little bit, you know, roost line because you know another guy that we thought was going to sign with Switzerland at the end of the year, but he had a really good AHL playoffs, and now he wants to come back to Buffalo and maybe compete for a roster spot. And those are European free agents that they signed. And it's not a good sign that already, you know, Victor Antipin, he burnt out with the Sabres and he left. You know, you start to get a, a rep, you know, and you don't want a bad rep in European free agents because then you're out of that town pool. It's the same thing with how the Sabres for, you know, nearly a decade wouldn't draft Russian players. You know, you're just, you're just not going into that town pool, allowing all the other teams in the league to be able to have a better chance of getting premier talent from that pool. Right. So you have to make sure... You know, the European freedoms that you do please them a little bit so you could, you know, if another guy comes in that you really want, you pursue him and they won't have the, the Sabres have a bad rep of mistreating their, their European freedoms. Yeah, no, I think it's a good idea to explore the other professional leagues around the world. Just kind of going back to Pilot here, he's another left shot defenseman who's probably more offensive minded. Uh, we have an abundance of them. So if, you know, we're willing to move on from either him or Bryson or Ryan Johnson, who's still in college. I mean, get value back for them because I mean, we just have so many right now. It's like, why, why hoard all these left shot defensemen when we can use them and get some value back for other areas that we need? We're, absolutely, and worst comes to worst, he's an asset to be moved. Yeah. Now, and especially now that he's coming from the KHL and now he wants to play in the NHL, at least now, you know, if you move him, it's not oh, we have to wait another year for his KHL contract to be no. up. No, he's probably hopefully going to get out of that, and now he can play for your team right away. In the NHL level, so right, yeah. There's nothing to worry about on that end. So definitely a, a better asset to possibly more trade value with this move. But I also I think he I, I think he's very comparable to Bryson. He had good metrics his one year. Obviously the year that he was up and down, he didn't perform very well. But that was with Kruger and 
he didn't really get a good shot that year. So if he if he gets a legit shot with Granado, I think he can actually have you know good metrics and really help the bottom pair in the depth of this defense uh, next season. Well, I know we always say in Bean we trust, but in Granado we trust for the Sabers. GMKA, let's go. All right, that's going to do it for the first part of our Sabers discussion. We will be right back with part two. We are back with the Buffalonian podcast. Part two, double save, double feature, some uh, Sabers action. Last couple of pods, we've been talking about the Bills and Sabers about five year plans and all. You know who we think is going to be on the roster and all that. And I think an interesting conversation now with the Sabers would be. You know, comparing this team right now to what the future team could be to the elite teams now playing, you know, like Tampa Bay, like Colorado, and finding a comparable team for the future, what this team could be in. What, yeah. what conceivably, you know, optimistically... Wow, big win. vocabulary over here. I know, I'm, try- I- I'm trying here. I'm trying to sound a little, little intelligent. But wow. The Athletic did post a cup list article about every team's, you know, the, the cup list of what all the average Stanley Cup uh, winners have and what you need to have to compete for a Stanley Cup. So in that, they believe that you had to have an elite center, an elite winger, an elite defenseman, an elite goaltender, another top-line center, two top-line wingers, a first-pair defenseman, and then two other top six forwards and two other top-pair D-men. So I'm hmm. um, top-four D-men, excuse me. So yeah. qu- quite the list to have there. Yeah. yeah. It takes a lot to win a Stanley Cup. Hardest trophy to I win. Know. Hey, you have to win four rounds and it's... And just think of all the games they have in a season you don't even think about. Yeah, it, you know? 82 games, and then you have to probably play another 20, 20 25 20, games. Yeah. So it yeah. is definitely a long, long uh, season. Long haul. So right now, you know, if we would compare the Sabres season that just ended the team, I think we all agree that probably Tage Thompson would be the elite center, mm-hmm. followed by Alex Tuck as the elite winger, Rasmus Stellin as the elite defenseman, the elite goaltender would be Craig Anderson, uh, elite definitely in question mark. Then the top line center would be Cousins. The two top-line wingers would be Skinner and Olsen. Uh, the first pair of D-men would be Owen Power, even though he's only played eight games. The two top six forwards then would probably be a post and Asplid. And then the two top uh, four D-men would probably Samuelson and Yoki Haru. And you look at that you know, that list that the Sabres currently have, and it's, it's not great. No. It's not great, Bob. It's unproven, honestly. Yeah, I don't... Tom- Owen Power's on there in this year's he's stats. He's played eight yeah. games. Yeah. Like, you can't... You can't you can't justify that. You talk about, you know? but you know, he has to be on there because you know, who else is going to be on there other than Yoki Haru, Samuel Sandali, and what we're going to put Kyle Miller out there? Who's no, not gonna no, be absolutely not. You know, that would that would be worse. But still, eight games you're you're yeah. judging Owen Power. I don't think that's. I mean, plus you have you know Tage Thompson is our elite player. Like he's only had one season where mm-hmm. he broke out for sixty points. We don't know if it's just a fluke or like if he can consistently put up at least you know fifty sixty points a year. And I think what this segment is really going to sh- show is that. The Sabres can really go in any direction. Like, it could either go really bad or it could go really well. It's a lot of what-ifs. Um, there's not really definitive answers to any of... I don't think any of these positions that we've set on this cup list are, like, definitively, like, this person will be that for the Sabres in the next five years. Yeah. Um, a lot of different uh, players that could be fit in different roles. So I made my five-year list of what I would predict what would happen in mm-hmm. five years. So elite center, I put a question mark. Because, honestly, I don't know. Who, I think they'd have to add another center. Mm-hmm. Uh, the elite winger, if everything goes well, should be Jacqueline. I and mean, he has 40-goal potential. You'd think he'd be that guy. The elite defenseman, i put Owen Power instead of Deline. Because I think Owen Power's two-way game is better. I, I think 
you know, hopefully you can build on those eight games yeah. that we saw. The elite goaltender, I, I mean, this is a shot in the dark. You hope it's Devin Levi, but goalie is a weird man. I think everyone thought when uh, you know UPL was in juniors, he was going to be that guy for them, and look what happened to him. Double hip surgery. Hasn't even found his way on the NHL roster consistently regularly, so that's kind of concerning. Top line center, I put Thompson. And the top line wingers, I put Paterka and Tuck. And then, you know, the top six forwards, I put Krebs and Cousins. And then, you know, one top four defenseman is definitely going to be Samuelson. Another one is also a question mark. So even with, like, the two question marks I put on top four D-man and elite center, there's also other a lot of question marks that I'm already betting on Paterka and Quinn both hitting. I'm really betting that Krebs is hitting to betting that Thompson's not a fluke, betting on Levi. Well, yeah. A lot of bets are being made right yeah. now. No, um, I I did it the way I did this. I did it like in different uh, categories here. So I know you had like specific players for that specific um, position. I I kind of broke it down to like who's going to be our playmakers, who are going to be our our defensemen, like who's going to bring like our grit to the team, our goaltending, uh, who's going to be that like defensive forward, that well-rounded player. Um, like looking at what we have, I mean, yeah, it's just a lot of betting because like I'm thinking you got to hope that like a Krebs and Paterka and Quinn and Cousins, they, they develop into those players they're expected to be. And then I look at a team who's won back-to-back Stanley Cups in Tampa, and you see they have those proven players. They have Stamkos, Kucherov, and Braden Point who can be those playmakers and drive a team to win. Their defense, you know, they have Victor Hedman, who's arguably the best defenseman in the league, who's been a proven defenseman for years now. You can maybe see a comparison, hoping Owen Power can develop into that. Because they're both offensive-minded, but very, very stout defensively, and both big-body guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, they have depth. Like they have a nice guy. I'm a huge fan of Ryan McDonough, former New York Rangers captain. But I think he's very good defensively. And you know, do the Sabers have someone like that? Like, can Matias Samuelson develop into that? Yeah, like because we need that. Plus, McDonough's a great leader, great locker room guy to have. And then, you know, we see. Tampa was not afraid to spend first-round picks on players. You're like, why would you give a first-round pick for? Like, they got Barkley Goudreau. They had uh, Blake Coleman there. They have Pat Maroon now. It's like those guys, they're they're not the most you know notable players. They're bottom six forwards. But what they bring is, like, energy, and you need that. Like, Ritt. Yeah. For checking. Yeah. They, they do provi- it for the culture. Yeah. The, the, like They provide I, that, checking, that checking role, and they have that – you know, defensive role, but they're also on contracts that, you know, they're, they're in a cap crunch, and Buckley Goodjo was making under a million dollars. I think yeah. Blake Coleman was making, like, 1.4 for a couple of years. So they got they got those two guys for, like, $2.5 million, and they were having, you know, they were exceeding their contracts. Although you see now Barkley Goudreau and yeah. uh, Blake Coleman, the contracts they got, respectively, with uh, the Rangers and Flames. But um, There's a reason why they're not in the Lightning anymore. Yeah, <laughs> no, you, you definitely need those type of players. They might be overlooked. Because they're not flashy, they don't get a ton of points, but they serve their role. You know who that sounds like to me? Rasmus Aslan. Raz, yeah, see, Rasmus the, 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 the perfect, perfect guy to that. I'm, yeah, that's what I'm getting into. Like, you need those well-rounded players. I give Asplin in that area as like really the only player the Sabers have right now that is that player. Like, do you maybe see like a Brett Murray developing uh, into see, someone I, like that? I don't think so. Or like. Right now, you can say maybe maybe Gergensen's is like that bottom pairing guy, but, but he's getting older. Yeah, he's getting not older, a long term piece. Um, and then I look at Tampa Bay; they have a guy. I know you're a huge fan of this guy, Anthony Sorelli, who's you know very well rounded player. You ha- you have to have 
it's really important to have that line that is very elite defensively. Yeah. And it's very important to have a very good defensive center. And I think this is another thing we talk about with the Sabres is, you know, is, if Krebs translates to center, he's not really going to be a defensive guy. We already know, Tom, I'm sorry, Thompson's just not going to be that. No. You know, he's a really high, high event, high offense kind of guy. Middle stat's not that. The only guy that you would think could be like that two-way, 50-60 point you know, kind of defensive, can play against the McDavid line, the McKinnon line, is Cousins. So that's why when people get mad that Cousins would probably be, you know, a good line mate would be like Asplund, some other guy that maybe has a little bit more scoring. It's not like dissing Cousins. You know, in this in this checklist I have him as like, quote-unquote, the third-line center, I don't think he's going to play third-line minutes. I think he's going to play a lot of minutes, but I think he's going to play in a, you know, he's going to get a lot of defensive zone starts, a lot of against the top guys, you know, hard minutes. Maybe not putting up the... 70 80 points but having that kind of impact yeah and then i i think of um like the situation the sabers in are right now they have a lot of young players they have a lot of unproven guys it takes me back to the colorado avalanche from 2016-17 first year coach they had 48 points like total by yeah the way. yeah in the entire season 48 points that's terrible if you don't know anything about hockey that's very bad but <laughs> Some of the players they had, they, Nate McKinnon was only 21, Rantanen was 20, Landis Skog was 24, Comfort was 21. They had a lot of young guys who were still growing and trying to prove themselves in the league. I know Nate McKinnon was a highly touted prospect, and he's one of the top five players in the league right now. Sabres don't have anybody like that. But still, you saw growth in him. There was always a question mark as to if he really was that elite playmaking uh, center, that franchise center. And he has grown into that. And you have to look at the Sabres and say, well, we have Quinn, Paterka, Kisikov, Rosen. We have these guys coming up. And we truly don't know what we have in them until we see them play. Like, you can have all these projections, doesn't matter. But until they show what they can do on the ice, you don't know who they truly are. And you know what? The, you know, the Lightning in Colorado, the reason why they are so good is, yes, they have developed really good players. They also make the right moves. You know, look at the Colorado team now that we see. Darcy Kemper, they trade for him. Mm-hmm. But they're like, we need a goaltender. Philip Grubauer's not getting the job done. We need we need an actual goaltender. Darcy Kemper, I know he's hurt, so that kind of... But he's been their number one goaltender. Ty- the Tyson Berry, Nazem Kadri trade. We need, we need a second-line center. Tyson Berry, we don't need him on the def- a one-way defender. We're mm-hmm. going to move those two guys. You know, Devin Tays, they treated two second-round picks for Devin Tays, who's their second-best defenseman. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Josh Manson, they made the move at the deadline for him. Andre Burakarski, they traded for his RFA rights. He's a top-six forward. They signed, you know, guys like Valerie Nutrishkin in the offseason a couple years back, and he's one of the, like, analytic players that is very good, too. So their ability to develop, you know, the McKinnons, the Rantanens, you know, Landiskov, obviously now Cal McCarr, uh, Sam Girard... Hopefully, maybe Bowen Byram. They have a lot of talent with their prospects, but they also made the right decisions, signing free agents that will make big impacts. We're also making trades for guys like, you know, you have to make sacrifices. I think it's really important, you know, for the Sabres to do that. You know, we talked on my list that I don't have Middlestad, I don't have Olafson, you know, even Krebs. I don't, I don't know about yet. He didn't really perform well on the NHL level. I think you had to make sacrifices, especially in the business of hockey. And it goes down to, like, all you know, the Sabres community is really torn on a lot of their players. They want to keep them because, you know, the middle of Sats Olsen, we see them have their hot stretches at the end of the year. But it's important to know their whole body of work, and sometimes they just got to let go. 
you know, you can't be the Rangers and have everyone as untouchables. You have to yeah. find ways to make trades to improve your hockey team in certain aspects. So if the you know, uh, top six centers available via trade, you have three first round picks, you have, you know, roster, you know, younger roster players that may not develop into your future, make that move because it helps you down the road of finding the cup list. Yeah. So I think that's a really important conversation that we're trying to have here is that the Sabres have a lot of prospects, but it's also important that they they still, even if all these prospects we de- develop probably the right way, they still need to probably make a couple more moves for certain spots because, you know, as I said, we're making a lot of bets and we're not going to bet a thousand here, people. Like, there's yeah. gonna, there's going to be some misses here. So I think... That's interesting. So, does anyone have a comparable team? Did you ever comp- find a comparable team uh, from teams from the past that you know the Sabres' future might look identical to? Well, I I brought it up earlier. I said Colorado, mm-hmm. just because they were at the bottom of the league. They had a bunch of young players coming up and a first-year head coach. And you know, even Gabe Landeskog said it himself. If you told me in 2017 we'd be in this situation, I wouldn't believe you. And we could see the growth what happens in five years, and you got to see that the Sabres are kind of in a similar situation where they have a bunch of young talent that's unproven, and if they can just gel together and buy into what Granado's doing and then use their abundance of draft picks and these these players, like we just we said earlier, all these left-shot defensemen they have, Absolutely. be willing to move them. Like, what's what's the use of uh, rotating guys when you can trade them for something you need? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, you know, I think... That Colorado team is a perfect example from what the team is now, except, you know, obviously I don't think they have, like, a superstar like McKinnon. No, no, yeah. Which is unfortunate. We don't have, like, a McKinnon-type yeah, player. a McKinnon-type or even maybe even a Ranton-type player. But in five years, I think actually a good comparison, like, to that team that might be competing would be those mid-2010s Nashville teams that, you know, made a cup run to the final. They lost to Pittsburgh in six, but they had, you know, probably the best top four defensemen, you know, with Ryan Ellis... Roman Yossi's won a Norris, P.K. Subban, who won a Norris, and Matthias Ekholm, and they had elite goaltending in Pecorine. You know, they were built on good goaltending, really good defense play, and maybe average to above average forward group. They didn't have the superstar. Their highest point total was Ryan Johansson and Victor Arvison that year had 61 points. Well, you know who's an assistant coach on that team? Phil Housley. Future Sabres head coach. And that's how that's how he got the gig. Because he had the best defenseman talent, and of course he's gonna do that. But I think that's a good example of a team that was built on the back end, had good goaltending, had their elite players on the back end, and just had solid players. Could roll four lines. Didn't have that one superstar that you could count. That you know that's dangerous because then you don't have that one superstar four that you could really count on. Well, look at look at what the Islanders did the past two. Forget about this season. The years before. You know, they you could say Barzell's elite, but he's not game changing franchise player, I would say. Yeah. And they're very sound defensively and just were able to win games. And they they pushed Tampa to seven the one year and they made back to back Eastern Conference Finals, I believe. So I think that's the look for this team is that they're gonna be built on the back end with power with Dalene of Samuelson and then they're gonna hopefully get I mean, this is why the big gamble happens is that the goaltender is such a random position, but hopefully Levi develops. And forward wise you're gonna be led by Hopefully a Tage Thompson, hopefully a Jack Quinn, hopefully a J.J. Paterka. Well, we see Colorado had a terrible year. 2017 draft, they get Cal McCarr, yeah. game-changing defenseman, who's now being you know talked about as one of the best generational in the league, not just defensemen, best players. Maybe the Sabres find their Cal McCarr in the 2022 draft. I know, they drafted ninth, but... We know. have three tries, guys. Come on. Can't, can't be that difficult, but I think that's what you know. this discussion's all about is, you know, it's exciting to look at the future, but... 
the future is very unknown and there's definitely moves to be made uh, with certain guys to fill certain positions possibly. They need to find some, to fill some of these holes with, you know, hopefully their prospects develop though. So it should be exciting though. Yeah, just, a, you know, a willingness from the organization. Like, you got to be aggressive in a sense. Not as aggressive as Tim Murray, but not as, um, you know, stale as Jason Bottle. Absolutely. I think that's the that's the key is don't be like Darcy or Gary or Jason Bottle who sits on their hands and just waits for their Yeah, press. let's not blow up a team that's uh, on the rise and has a chance to win. <laughs> I was going to get a good reaction on you, but I think, that's, I think that's a great point that you made is Tim Murray. I think you don't want to be, you know, trade all your first round picks away for, you know, talent right now i think you gotta do but you gotta do a little bit of both a little yeah. bit of both well combined bottle thinking tim murray's thinking i think you might get a pretty decent gm i think that hopefully that's what gmka kevin hopefully that's what kevin adams does so lots of savers talk for you guys today obviously uh very exciting for the future and uh we'll be right back here with the buffalonian podcast right after this here at the buffalonian podcast we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level if you are interested Feel free to follow us on Instagram at buffalonian underscore pod. DM us any information, and our email is also in the description as well. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to the Buffalonian Podcast, and get ready for my Bison's Rundown this week. We're going to do a quick review of this past week. And after the last podcast, the Bison's took the opening game against Rochester, and they struggled the rest of the series, losing four of the next five games and then ending up losing the series 4-2. to two. Tragic. Absolutely tragic for the Bisons. This marks the first series loss for the Bisons since losing to Durham in early May. I don't know if you remember that, but that was highlighted in one of our rundowns as well. The highlight of the struggling series was that the Bisons took Game 2 of the Saturday doubleheader by winning a whopping 13 to nothing. Absolutely astonishing. Wonderful gameplay by the Bisons. They were led by ace Casey Lawrence, who threw a complete game, one hitter with five punch-outs. And then just a quick shout-out for him being named the Pitcher of the Week. Very well-deserved. Congratulations, big guy. He's 7-1 with a 2.0 ERA, which is just absolute Chad stuff. Just ace. And the highlight play goes to Nathan Lucas hitting an inside-of-the-park grand slam in the third inning with two outs and two strikes. Good on you, big guy. Good on you. Sadly, the series drops the Bison's record of 31-22 and and three and a half games back of Rochester for the division lead. The Bisons return home after two weeks to play Wooster, who are the affiliates of the Boston Red Sox and have a 26-28 record. The Bisons split a series in Wooster earlier in the year and hope for a bounce-back series. Alright, well that's going to do it for the rundown this week. We'll be right back with some trivia right after this. Here at the Buffalonian Podcast, we are looking for sponsorships to take our podcast to the next level. If you are interested, feel free to follow us on Instagram at buffalonian underscore pod. DM us any information, and our email is also in the description as well. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. All right, it's that time of the show. It's trivia time. Wrap up the show. How are we feeling right now? Feeling froggy, mother uh, The confidence is at an all-time low after pulling the Joe S being going over. Just a real tough performance. Listen. It could very well could have been a fluke. I could be doing a Tage Thompson this past, this past season, and you know today could be next season, and I could absolutely flake and choke and whatever. We'll see, though. We'll see. Yeah. So I'm going to the first question, Bill's question. Uh, we'll just make things make things clear here. Prior to this season, who received the largest contract in Bill's history for a defensive player? Marcel Darius. Yes, it is Marcel. Yeah, Darius. big big 
big marijuana it, guy. It is now Von Miller. Though. Yes, it is yeah. now Von Miller. $96.6 million over six years. Only to get... Back in 2015. Yeah. He did like the race cars. Yes. Yeah. Average cars. Hey, at least he's not sports gambling, though. Hey, at least Jacksonville <laughs> took on that entire contract. <laughs> yeah. Good, yeah. Good, thank you. For Doug Marone. Thank you. Yeah. Took him back. Uh, next question. Sabres question. Uh, when was the last time the Sabres won 40 games in a season? 2005. <laughs> no. <laughs> 2011. Yes. 2010-11. 43-29-10. Oh. Counts is coming back, baby. The last the time they made the, made the playoffs. Last time they hit 40 wins. Oh, man. Joe's sensing the for again. All right. Bandits question. Let's wrap it up. Uh, who is the last Bandits player to win the league MVP? Dane Smith. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh. Doesn't even give him a chance back in 2016. <laughs> the confidence is back, baby. The confidence is back. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Buffalo Odeon Podcast. We thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next time. Dom, how do you end these normally? Go Bills, baby. Go Bills.